Wednesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your other host, I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum. And we are wandering around uh, at the Lovell residence, where um, uh, Blanche Lovell, uh, Jim Lovell's mom is sitting in the back of uh, uh, of their little patio there, and uh, she's going to have two babysitters with her, uh, Neil, <laughs> Neil and Buzz, uh, which is a a great a great setup where she asks, "Are you boys in the uh, in the space program?" <laughs> and it's uh, it's nice. They I, I, this this works a lot better. It doesn't it it works okay on, uh, at home, but the audience reaction is built for a for a big theater audience. It's like. They take a beat, and uh, Neil and Buzz look at each other like, "Yeah, we're in the NASA program." That's right. <laughs> um, uh, it's hysterical. I, you know, I, I I think I may have mentioned this story earlier, but I had a uh, a moment like that when um, the book that Hal and I did the beast about the B seventeen, uh, the final mission. Yep. Uh, we we put it out, and in the forward uh, was written by Dr. Harry Friedman, who helped save the Memphis Bell, and also Colonel Frank Borman, and um, my mom gets this and just is like, "Hey, that's really cool. That guy in the front of the book that wrote your forward did. did uh, does he work with you?" And <laughs> and I'm like, y- "You mean Frank Borman?" And she's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, y- "Mom, he went to the moon like on Apollo 8." You know? And she's like, "Oh, but he works with you?" And I'm like, "No. <laughs> like, never mind, mom." <laughs> like, <laughs> I just had a flashback of, of to this ep- this uh, this moment, you know, in, yeah. in the movie. Yeah, it's uh, it, your mom is the opposite of starstruck. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's great, you know, just just seeing seeing this a little bit, and this, uh, uh, you know, if if you read Lost Moon, this actually happened that they they did kind of sit with with his mom, and I guess it, you know, in one way we look at this like, oh yeah, it's so that she wouldn't you know this, or she you know she has some uh, mental incapacity and things, but I can imagine she was around these people when her son was a test pilot and there were a whole bunch of, I mean, you know, he knew Chuck Yeager and, and all the other people going through flight school and stuff and people working on different tests. You know, he, you know, people like General Doolittle and Charles Lindbergh and all these, all these folks knew, you know, they they were walking in and out of their house on a regular basis. So she might, it it wouldn't be that hard to, to lose track of who's, who's who back then. (laughs) Uh, that's um, incredible. I, I, it's really incredible that that's true. Like, yeah. like if, if you if you showed me this part of the movie, I, I would lean to. And I've never read the book. I would lean toward like, wow, this was created for, you know, for for some comedy in the movie. But uh, it's a more amazing that you know uh, that you know they actually did sit in and look after her for a bit. Yeah, yeah. I, one thing I always notice on on this thing is it's supposed to be Neil Armstrong. But the fellow that's playing Neil Armstrong looks to me more like Wally Shira. And I, yeah, exactly. It's it's like the guy that they have playing uh, Pete Conrad was the one that played uh, Frank Borman in the From the yeah. Earth to the Moon. It's like no, nah, yeah. he, he's more Frank Bormany looking than he is. Than that. The guy that plays him, his name's uh, isn't it like Andrews or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he look, he's a dead ringer Chris for Andrew, Frank. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. He just really 
And uh, and the funny thing, I can remember talking with Frank, and Frank said, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know who that guy is, but I'm sure he does." <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to tell with Frank if Frank, you know, when he's pulling your leg or not. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He did say Frank did say that he thought he did it. That the, the actor did a good job. Yeah, yeah, that, that's um, so for that, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then but then he invented Skynet, and there was that whole mess with the Terminator. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a lot. Uh, a lot going on, and now he's in a TV show. He's in like NCIS or something now. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I haven't followed his career, but it's it's always interesting to see them in different roles, and you're like, oh yeah, that's the guy. And very weird uh, that he's now in NCIS with Mark Harmon. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're playing <laughs> so, seven degrees of separation with the astronauts. So. Yeah, so so many astronauts in other in other roles. Um, it's uh, uh, gosh, this this one set that they have there though. I I you know I I grew up in the '60s and '70s and. And just seeing the the backyard there, and uh, even right down to the the kind of plants that they have uh, that they're behind uh, Mrs. Lovell are uh, these plants that are called Serpateria, which was really popular in the '60s. Uh, everybody, gosh, they I think they gave them out at gas stations. You could get you get if you get a free plant, <laughs> that would be it. It would be it. And they're also their their other name for Serpateria, which you know it's funny having uh, Marilyn introduce her there, is uh, that the uh, uh, Serpentarias are also known as mother-in-law's tongues, so it's kind of—I don't know if the art director was being funny or not. Just <laughs> in That's back. very interesting. Yeah, the—I think this is uh, one of those movies where the sets are just so phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, not just the spacecraft, but the—you know—I know we talked about like Jeffrey's room and stuff like that, but uh, uh, they really—they really did their homework on it. Yeah, the, the forced perspective in the back in the backyard there though gives me a feeling. It has that Brady Bunch touch to it, you know. You're like, yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of a Brady Bunch where the the cement wall, the cement floor that's in their patio goes all the way out into the backyard. But it's it's okay. It's only a little ten second scene. You're not supposed to notice yeah. these things. But, you're not um, supposed to dig that deep into it, you know. And I'm sure when they made it, they're never like, oh, it's two guys aren't going to make a podcast where they just go minute by minute and break this all down. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we cut we cut from uh, from, gosh, Ron Ron Howard's mom playing. Uh, Jim Lovell's mom. I, I, you know, it's it's funny. I was trying to before we were before we started recording. I was trying to remember different moms in on movies, and all the ones that I keep coming up with are actresses' moms. Like when you see Gwyneth Paltrow, all I think of is Blythe Danner, or you see Liza <laughs> Minnelli, and you think Judy Garland. And I I don't know if Ron Howard ever had his mom in any other films, but it's just interesting that she was. You know, she was kind of a on a second line actor, actress in the, in the forties and things just, it must be tough saying to your mom, action and cut. And yeah, like right. <laughs> I'm the yeah, boss. It's just, it's just a, a pause. It's like, please mom do this. So, you know, <laughs> so um, we, and we, we cut from, uh, from the Lovell home to a uh, mission control where uh, Ken Mattingly is uh, on, he's wearing his plantronics and, and talking through the procedures with uh, Jack, uh, Jack Schweigert. And when every time every time I see this scene and I see any kind of a watch, I instantly think of our, our friend uh, Jennifer Lavasser, who's in charge of all the astronaut watches for the uh, the Air and Space Museum, <laughs> and she could probably tell you the model number, maybe even the serial number of that uh, uh, Rolex that he's got on. I don't know if that's a Rolex or a Citizen. I don't, I'm not sure what that is, but I'm sure she'll 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 chime in on on our Facebook page. <laughs> And, oh, I'm sure. Once she hears this, she'll uh, yeah, she'll be all over it. <laughs> she's probably yeah, she's probably screaming at her uh, <laughs> at her head- headphones right now. No, why did you not know this? Anyway, it's I'm I'm sure she w- she would be able to tell you what what that is. Um, and I 
I don't recall, you know, I, I have to look at uh, footage of uh, Apollo 13, actual Apollo 13 footage, but I'm surprised uh, he's wearing, Ken is wearing a, a dark navy jacket uh, on, you know, during this thing. And I know that he had just walked in from other people, but I don't recall seeing that many people wearing jackets in Mission Control. Usually they would doff their jackets and hang them on the back of the chair. Um, but maybe he just didn't have time for it. Yeah, you know, that'd be interesting to, uh, you know, there has to be pictures um, yeah. of the moment, I'm sure. But you're right. I, you know, most of Mission Control, I think of them with their white shirts and the black ties and, you know, not necessarily the jackets. but Yeah, and generally, and, and between uh, art direction and costuming and uh, cinematography, they're, they are trying to differentiate the, you know, that almost uniform of everybody wearing a, a white short sleeve shirt and a black tie. So putting an ast- typically the astronauts, uh, as we were talking with uh, Brett earlier in the in the season, uh, about how he had to wear a more colorful shirt because he was an astronaut. And I'm thinking, put leaving the jacket on uh, on Ken separates him from all the other uh, white shirt short sleeve white shirt guys in the in the room. Um, and we we go from him to uh, watching uh, uh, Jack trying to read his own writing. In, you know, and, and the other thing you remember on this is he's writing, he's, he's taking notes and things in an ice cold command module that's 38 degrees at the time he was powering it up. So, and he's not wearing a jacket, he's just wearing, you know, basically two levels of t shirt. Uh, so, uh, just watching that is, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's interesting to see that the, the, uh, you know, he goes to the, you see our, our friend in the brown, I think it's a brown turtleneck in this shot. Yeah, yeah, that mock turtleneck thing that he's got on. And uh, we're watching, uh, and I'm trying to remember, Mark McClure in this one is playing Glenn Lunny. So he's got on a green uh, a green shirt, but he's still, he's, he's halfway in between being an astronaut. And, and I always picture Mark McClure being, well, I always picture Mark McClure as being Jimmy Olsen in the Superman movie, but uh, he... I keep thinking that he, somewhere along the line he played Jim McDivitt, and I can't remember what movie that was in that he was playing Jim McDivitt. Yeah, that'd be. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to I, I, me without a IMDb in front of me. But it's just it's so much. <laughs> we're spending so much time on fashion in this particular minute. I can't get over. <laughs> fashion um, and set design is interesting in this minute of the, sh- of the movie. Yeah, sure. it really it's a very colorful thing. Um, they're talking about how tired everyone is, and we're seeing. Uh, we're seeing Gene Kranz popping pills and drinking, uh, <laughs> drinking out of period-specific Dixie cups. I can remember those, uh, those eight-ounce Dixie cups that he's drinking out of. Uh, is very, very familiar, very familiar to me growing up back then. Um, they're those those wax paper cups. So uh, <laughs> my grandma used to have those still in the bathrooms. Oh, really? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember those. <laughs> yeah, they were uh, standard standard issue, I think, for <laughs> moms and grandmas all carried them. Um, <laughs> There, and there's probably stacks of them in in many houses up in the in the northwest and the northeast. I'm sure it's uh, my 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 house ran. They always had the. Uh, I remember those little Dixie cup dispensers that they used to have for bathrooms. And you yes. Have tiny little yeah. like the kind of like the kind of cups that you get at the dentist. It's yeah. Barely, yeah. Barely that, enough to you know wash that. your mouth out or or take a pill. <laughs> yeah. And uh, gosh, they were every everybody's house had one. It was kind of like an hourglass shaped dispenser. That was in uh, 
that was in the wall and you always reached in and you had you just you just had the last one it's it's never there's never they're never full to the brim um <laughs> but it's just interesting to see that and it's uh yeah a bygone age i don't uh i'm trying to remember the, i mean i guess everything the only disposable cups that people have in their houses nowadays i guess are those big red solo cups that seems to be yeah uh, i think that's kind of picked up i think everybody has those now <laughs> yeah and i never noticed this before but in this one scene where uh, Gene Kranz is popping a pill, he's wearing a, uh, a POW bracelet. I never, I never realized that he wore that, and I'm, I'm huh. assuming, I'm assuming that it's a, uh, that it's period specific. That that is a POW bracelet. Um, they were, yeah. they were very familiar in my in my time back in, back during the Vietnam era. I can remember, gosh, lots of people. I didn't have one, but I knew a lot of people who who did wear a. Uh, a bracelet with the name of a POW on their on their sleeve, and they they wouldn't take it off until they came home. My uh, my wife had, I think she still has one in her jewelry box, but she wore that all through uh, middle school and high school. She said in her. It's funny her you mention that. that. We were just watching of all things uh, about a week ago an episode of Magnum PI, and Magnum had one. Oh and, really? Uh, so we were talking about uh, um, you know uh, the POW bracelets and and uh, yeah, I never noticed that in this clip. Yeah, that's 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 what you get going frame by frame. Uh, yeah. I think I got to make a note if we do have uh, Gene, which I hope we will. If we have Gene on, I got to ask him about. I don't know if he'll remember that, but uh, uh, he may br- he may bring it up. I w- I'm sure that if uh, if this if this is in the movie, I, I would think that uh, Ron Howard would have made it. Uh, would have made sure that that was in that was part of it. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. The details like that are really what sets it off. Yeah, and Gene seems like the kind of a guy who would be, who POWs would be very important to him. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. So interesting, interesting to see that. I, wow. And yeah, again, it's one of those things that unless you're watching the movie at this speed, <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh yeah, there's a, there's that thing. Yeah, I've seen this movie a thousand times. I never noticed that. Yeah, it's it's astonishing. Huh. Um, well, we get to we get to the scene where. Uh, uh, Jack Swigert is about to power up the ship, and we were talking about this on, um, I think it was Monday. Monday we were talking about how uh, there was this concern. We were both expressing it about if you're kicking around in zero gravity, you hit the instrument panel and accidentally, you know, start the reentry sequence or something. What the, what the, how how that doesn't happen, and the way that it doesn't happen is is that every procedure. Uh, is preceded by and followed by turning the panel on and off. And the first thing that's that's coming up here is where uh, Jack Swig- Jack Swigert is being uh, told by Ken Mattingly to go turn on the uh, main B bus uh, circuit breaker, and that would turn on the uh, there's an A and B electrical system, and he was going to turn on the main B, which is where all the battery stuff is plugged in. That, that the way they've wired everything up, the B system is going to be powering up the instrument panel. So the first step that he was going to have to do is throw the circuit breaker to provide power to the instrument panel. And as he as he goes to reach for it, he happens to, you know, <laughs> notice once again that the entire panel is just soaking wet and there's, you know, there's 48 volts going through that system. And uh it's it it could deliver quite a shock, and the panel could even. Well, it it would be unlikely that the panel would catch fire. The one thing, um, I I wish we could have had. Unfortunately, COVID prevents us from doing this. But I was going to interview 
uh, one of the engineers, uh, NASA engineers, a good friend of mine, uh, John John Brown, uh, had talked about uh, when after the fire, after the Apollo One fire, the way that the Apollo systems were built previously were they were all um, they, they were all modular. You could pop them in, pop them out, and you, and you just they, it, it's kind of like reaching underneath your reaching underneath your dashboard and being able to unplug um, your your fuel gauge and things like that. They all just had plugs they could plug in and out. And uh, it made it very easy to service the Apollo systems. You could just drop in new equipment and plug it all in. The problem there is, though, it causes a, it's a fire hazard, and it causes places where um, electrical systems could arc. So every system was sealed. They had like a heat gasket that would go around or it's a chemical gasket made epoxy it and and seal the back of each one of those uh those gauges every every instrument every toggle switch it was it was sealed in a fireproof like a like a plastic so um the idea that there was going to be an electrical short would be extremely unlikely on on apollo in space even if it was covered with water the the individual instruments are are sealed so you don't you wouldn't get a spark and even though you know ken is ken is telling him this uh it's still if you know he's not ken's not a hundred thousand miles up you know in space ready to push a button so uh yeah. that's where uh, that's where jack's at i i mean you would have to be a little bit nervous when you start looking at what that panel looks like and uh yeah that'd have to go through your mind of uh how am i gonna you know this is an electrical panel covered in, in condensation. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be, I'd be. I'd feel a little nervous. I think flipping a few of those switches. Yeah, and there's you know, it, it, there's a lot of stuff going on behind there. I mean, there's, you know, it's like a thousand watts of power run, running through if if all of it's turned on. So it's yeah, it'd be a, it would be a, a big concern. Uh, great view though of of the individual switches, and you can see that the uh, the circuit breakers to to turn it it. it it's like the, uh, they're like cigarette lighters on an old, you know, 1960s car. You gotta, you gotta push them all the way in to get the, uh, the circuit to connect, and then to uh, disconnect, you just pull it out, and they're all, they're, they're all pretty much pull, pulled out here. Um, but a great, a great view. Um, my, uh, uh, my electrician uncle, I think, would be very upset with the, and my, my dad would be too about the. Uh, the placement of the screws it's a little thing it's a real ocd thing but the phillips screws any any electrician worth their salt would make sure that the screws lined up along one plane and those screws are not all screwed in uh the it, it, it's it's dumb but it's one of the things that when when you can tell a sloppy electrician they don't they don't screw the screws in so that they're all lined up the same way it doesn't have to be, but that's just um, it, seeing it like this. It, it kind of annoys <laughs> it annoys me just knowing what what real electricians demand when they're when they're putting together an instrument panel. Um, and you know, it, it may have be just the force of they had they used a torque screw a, a torque setting and the torque stopped that it, it didn't you know make it any tighter, so it didn't it didn't match up, but. Really, if they were mil spec screws, they should all stop at the same spot. They should all have the same torque, and they should all point the same direction. So, that's just a, a little annoyance if you get to uh, if you're watching minute one thirteen and you get to second forty six or forty seven, you can see that the screws don't align with each other. So that's that's my rant on 
<laughs> Today's episodes of OCG with OCD with Jim. Uh, wow. Well, um, I think that's about all that's going on in this in this minute. I mean, we've talked we've talked fashion, we've talked technology, we've talked uh, circuit breakers, and uh, and even uh, even what nineteen sixties nineteen seventies uh, backyards look like back in the day. Uh, I like to think I, our episodes are, are full encompassing. You know, we really yeah, very yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that the the crossword puzzle word is eclectic. They're very eclectic. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but there's a uh, there's much more to come as we're getting now. This you know we're uh, to me this is where reentry is starting. I mean, this is the whole the the whole next bunch of things. This is the last big push. So uh, so we're getting into a, a really good really good time here, and uh, it's only going to get better as as these final weeks roll by um if for folks who have been listening in if you'd like to talk with us about you know things we may have missed in this minute although you know i'm i i'm still kind of stunned about how did we miss the pow thing until just this <laughs> yeah. episode it's like now i gotta go back and look at previous gene Kranz things and see if he was wearing the pow thing but if you would like to talk about uh on social media if if you were old enough to have worn a, a pow bracelet it'd be interesting to hear your story hear the story about your pow um and uh it, we are always available on social media. Go to on Twitter; it's uh, Apollo Thirteen Minute, or on uh, uh, Facebook we've got the Apollo Thirteen Minute Mission Control. Go out there and join us. Always interesting discussions that that come up, very esoteric things. Um, also uh, on the um, on the Facebook with Apollo Thirteen Minutes Mission Control, I'm going to post a link to a YouTube video of uh, an appearance by Neil Armstrong's parents. Which you know, it's interesting. We're we're, we're talking about Jim Lovell's uh, mom here, but Neil Armstrong's parents appeared on a uh, on a game show. They appeared on uh, "I've Got a Secret," and the secret that they were revealing is that their son became an astronaut that day. And it's just interesting seeing the questions and answers about how how did they feel about their their son becoming an astronaut. It's very very intriguing uh, little video, but I'll I'll post that on the on their Facebook page. Uh, so check that out. Uh, but please, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some more crazy stuff tomorrow. So I'm sure it'll be it'll be interesting. It, it looks like we're uh, coming up on uh, loss of signal in about 30 seconds here. But we'll see you here tomorrow. So join us on the Apollo 13 minute. <laughs>